This is I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast, which features the open-minded musings of two mid-40s curmudgeons, each of them staring down the prospect of entertainment irrelevance. I'm your co-host, Bill Scurry of American Caesar Enterprises, which is that kid who sits by the railroad tracks because he loves watching the choo-choo pass by and the woo-woo sound the horn makes. And I'm Noah Tarno, founder, senior quiz master of The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show spectacular, no train spotting necessary. You know, a couple of months ago, Noah, I took my bicycle out. The airport's not very far away. Uh, in case the listener doesn't know, I live in the city of Amsterdam in uh, the Netherlands, in the province of Holland. Um, I'm able to bike out. It's only about 40 minutes away by bike. I can get to the airport, skip hole. And um, I wasn't, I just did it because I make a ring around the city to various places. And there are people who every single day go down to the runways and they sit on picnic tables with with long range um, lenses and binoculars and they just watch the planes take off all day. Yeah, I, I can know, believe that. I sure. didn't know this was a phenomenon. That's like somehow there's this replay value of watching KLM, Air France Delta flights land, take off, land and take off. And it's like, it's, it's like what is the ASMR you're getting from this? I never quite understood that, but you know. I think that's a good comparison of the ASMR, not that it causes a physical sensation like ASMR, but, you know, it's hard for us to remember that for most of human history, there were far fewer distractions in terms of entertainment, in terms of media, in terms of art, for the average person at least. So, you know, simple things got us more excited. You know, knitting was an entire... still. And it's... I think that's nice. I mean, I could say it's a stupid hobby, but who cares? I think it's... (laughs) Well, it might, it's, it's nice that you could be occupied by something so simple. Well, it might, right, I was going to say, it might, it might even be a misnomer to say it's simple because if you think about what is required of someone, like maybe what they're really gawking at is the idea that you have, you know, millions of dollars in, in avionic technology, uh, you know, designed to break the pull of gravity, you know, to increase the, what is it, increase the uh, pressure under the wing to lift this huge thing, which is too heavy yeah. to fly. And it's like, well, it is kind of a miracle if you think about it, but we never... It's amazing. It is amazing. It's amazing. It is amazing. But then, really? but going back to the train thing, it's like, I do think of like airplane watchers are very much like those, what do they call it? There is a word for like train spotters, I guess that... Well, that's yeah, the, it's called train spotters. Yeah, train spotters. The people who shoot, who shoot heroin. <laughs> Uh, Who shoot heroin in the worst toilet in Scotland. That's a terrible <laughs> accent. Do you know what's funny? When that movie came out, around the time that movie came out, I was, um, my first experience, I guess you call it social media, was I was on like an email list serve for fans of the music of Elvis Costello. I'm still a big fan of his, but I was a little weirdly obsessed at the time. And we had a nickname for ourselves was Train Spotters, that we called ourselves Train Spotters. I think it was based on he once gave an interview where he almost you know, mockingly referred to as obsessive fans as train spotters, taking from the British or whatever habit of weirdos watching trains. So we called ourselves train spotters. And right around that time, the movie came out. And we're like, no, they took our nickname. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So. Well, speaking of the worst. I didn't say it was an interesting story. Right. Well, uh, Noah, speaking of the worst toilet in Scotland. Speaking of uninteresting stories. And a horrible, a horrible septic system that we're all uh, swimming around in. I... I apologize, Bill, for making you engage with this topic. I apologize to myself for making myself engage with this topic. I apologize to you, the listener, for making you 
if only briefly engage with this topic. If you want to turn this off now, I I forgive you. I, you were right. I was wrong. I'm ambivalent about this um, because I think this topic is both horrific, but also it really is worth uh, it really is worth examining because it, it oh, is. Oh, I think it's a valid topic. Yeah, yeah. I just don't like what it's doing to me. And All right. I, apologize for what it's doing to you and to you the listeners that is correct so we yeah enough dancing around the top we are talking about yeah. now with the banger we're talking about gutfeld banger gutfeld gutfeld it's the musical version of uh yeah of the everyone knows the slap bass gutfeld. theme uh you know yeah. with kramer the wacky neighbor on gutfeld yeah uh seinfeld, so- seinfeld did not have an exclamation how would Seinfeld have been a different show if the show instead of being called Seinfeld was called Seinfeld with the exclamation? Now, as it was, you'd almost expect the ellipse at the end of it because it almost could have been Seinfeld dot dot dot, right? Like that would have been more appropriate with the show. That what we if it seen. had been? What if it had been Seinfeld with a question? <laughs> so Seinfeld. Gutfeld is a new newish uh, 11 p.m. nightly panel slash topical comedy show. And I use comedy very 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. West Coast. Yes, that's true. Uh, it is on the so-called Fox News. Everything was. I'm going to bracket everything by saying so-called. It's on Fox News, yes. uh, which I know that nobody who listens listens to the Center Voice right now does know anything about Fox News. But that's where the show's located. Oh, everyone knows something about. Fox News. Well, we don't watch it. Um, I guarantee you, we have at least one listener who is dedicated to both us and Fox News. Uh, that would be very unusual, and I'm, I'm sure their head must be exploding mm-hmm. like that kind of scanners. It. I can believe it. I'll take it. I can believe it. So the host of Gutfeld, uh, of course, is Greg Gutfeld, um, who is a many-year veteran of media and publishing, uh, but he's been a Fox employee, uh, working, you know, reporting to, what is it, 57th Street now, I think is where the Fox offices are, 57th and 6th. No, Uh, is it, I mean, it used to be, because it had that ticker going around. Still does, Right across from Radio City Music Hall. Yeah. This guy, Greg Gutfeld, which I think a lot of people may be aware of him from his profile in public, but not necessarily anything specific like I was. I had certainly heard of the guy, but I don't really know what I knew him from other than just being a Fox guy. Um, he wasn't he wasn't a, a, a pan cultural personality like an O'Reilly or, or a Tucker Carlson, but um, he describes himself as an avowed libertarian. He's originally from San Mateo, which, of course, is Bay Area, just south of where our, our own uh, Noah Tarno uh, lives. Yeah. Uh, but he has been in New York. He, he, went to, he went to Cal Berkeley, you know, right. stereotypically the most liberal school in the country. And, you know, not, that's not a crazy viewpoint. And he says that's what made him a conservative. Yeah. You know it was just like the—but especially the show, you know that it was just the cool kids didn't want to let him into his club, and that just changed everything. For him. And that was Stephen you know, totally. Miller. It was all these people who were kept on the outside, yeah, totally. and you, you yeah. make liberal liberal hierarchy the bad, the bad guy, whatever. We're, we're, you know, obviously, everyone knows we're, we're going to get in that eventually. Um, so this show, Gutfeld, Banger. Uh, is supposed to be a retort to late night talk shows on the Alpha Nets, um, and I guess even more specifically, let's be honest, the Daily Show, which I think for for decades now, since '99, or I guess Stewart took over, I think in '99 uh, or 2000, I forget. That has been mm, where it sometime was. around then. I think it was 2000. Yeah, 2000, let me right. look that up. That, that, that's been a. Burr I'm your on, fact checker. That's been a burr under the saddle of uh, right wing media for a long time. John Stewart had the high ground. John Stewart did his job better than most anybody else. John Stewart was a pretty um, righteous partisan guy who with a real service streak. Uh, but he, you know, he absolutely demolished uh, right wing uh, pieties for a long, long time. And the thing is, is that the right wing and Fox News in particular, since um, Rupert turned it into a thing, 
uh, and you know Roger Ailes was there. They they have not had this apparatus, and 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 it's there's no room for it there. Uh, but but at the same time, I think they've really been jealous at the the factory, the sort of liberal piety factory of the Daily Show. But but this show in particular more resembles Bill Maher's stupid, yeah, stupid, absolutely. long of tooth. What is it? Uh, overtime with what is the fucking thing called? Bill Maher. Re- real, real time, time. with Bill yeah, Maher. I I like. He is far from perfect, and there are major problems with him. But I like Bill Maher. I think Bill Maher suffers. I think Bill Maher is worth watching. Worth hearing out. Uh, I don't know. Say. I think Bill Maher has said he first of all he's problematic out the ass, and he's got this. Okay. He's got this. Okay. He's got this Fine. same. He, he's wrong about a lot of things, but I think he's right about some other. Uh, he's things. got the same libertarian streak. I, these guys fucking kill yeah. me, man. You know yes. they fucking kill me. Anyway, yeah, that's also tipping it. So, I, uh, and also, I would I would take Bill Maher eight billion times over Greg Gutfeld. Yes. I mean, yes. Who are you more likely to see at the Spearmint Rhino? By the way, it's going to be Bill Maher and not Greg Gutfeld. Uh, so, but like I said, this show, even though it's supposed to be a clap back at, uh, the daily show or, or even, um, uh, John Oliver, you know, that kind of thing, it looks more like the actual physical arrangement of it looks more like all the versions of built from when Bill Maher was on ABC in the beginning and he switched over to HBO. It's got that, you know, chairs in a circle kind of thing with one guy leading the conversation between people. So this show went live on March 10. Uh, in the opening night ratings, as much as I could see from the Hollywood Reporter article, they were, I guess what you'd call a smash on TV. They had 1.69 million viewers uh, and a 318,000 uh, in the 25 but, to 54 demo. Yes, yes, Noah. You had a question. As you as you pointed out, anything on Fox News in the evening with a lead-in of Tucker Carlson or whoever, <laughs> yes. you could have a test pattern and it will get your yeah, you read. If you have a test pattern with a picture of Trump that says good and a picture of Biden that says bad, you'll get even better ratings. If you have mm-hmm. that Native American face with a little dial behind it that used to pop up at like 1.30 in the morning, yes. that, would have be, that would be a crush. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, uh, yes. And if the Native American is saying Donald Trump is awesome, again. Yeah, he's done more for my people than, than anything I can think yes. of. Uh, so, yeah. Did you see, I'm going to get to see the clip of the, the, the African-American guy, former football player, talking about how Trump was the best yes, president. I, Trump was the first African-American first president. African-American, yeah. Trump is the first black president. And, that works. It's so much funnier to say that now than to say that before Obama was president. Yeah. God, it's so... Uh, I, 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 I can't get distracted. Can't get distracted. So uh, the format begins with an issue-based monologue, and then Gutfeld engages in banter with a panel of four people, again, sitting in a loose circle. And uh, I will I will point out, as I've read online, that the, the chairs are spaced apart in such a way yes. that even though COVID was a hoax, it looks very much like the people who run the Fox Studios are arranging people at least, you know— uh, three three feet or a meter and a half or whatever it is between yeah. each other. So. No, I, I think Fox News people at this level don't think COVID was a hoax. They think, A, COVID wasn't as bad as people think it was, and B, there are bigger problems like BLM burning down cities and and the border and, you know, Biden tripping down the steps of Air Force One. Or right. And that is, that is your real, real concern. So those are the real issues. So no, I, I, I have a plate of, of hot steaming food. I'm pushing over to you. I'd like you to, to, to take it from here and let me know what your thoughts on your topic yeah. was. So, yes, this is a comedy show, ostensibly a comedy show. Also, you didn't mention intercut with all this is, um, you know, little pre-taped skits and segments. They Mostly just making fun of, you know, they do a lot of making fun of CNN. And like, I'll give you an example, just, all right, let's cut to CNN and see what's there now. And you see two bad actors, a white man, a white woman go, you're racist. No, you're racist. No, you're racist. No, you're racist. Um, 
If you read the think pieces about the show, I mean, I'm not going to dive into the fever swamps to see if there's any writing about this on Newsmax or Infowars or anything. But if you look at quote unquote mainstream sources, this is pretty much universally panned as a piece, you know, the ratings, fine, whatever, but as a piece of comedy, it's universally panned. And the rough consensus is that this is, it is not just not funny, it is anti funny, which is a term I first heard. There's a famous review of the Mike Myers movie, uh, The Love Guru oh, by, sure. yeah. who was the writer for the New York Times? And there's a great quote. He says, this movie isn't unfunny. It's anti-funny. It makes you wonder if you will ever laugh at anything again. And I read that and then I watched Love Guru and I'm like, he was 100% right. Like, you're really just looking at this and you're going like, what is comedy? Like, maybe comedy is a myth. Like, I just don't understand <laughs> the concept of comedy when I watch this. <laughs> it's He's, just fossils left. This, right. It's very much typical Fox news in that it's, it's projection and it's grievance and it's, you know, cherry picking bad issues, cherry picking certain issues at the expense of other important things. Um, but unlike the other Fox news shows, it's just kind of dressed up with the window dressing of comedy. Right. So, uh, Gutfeld will smirk. He will read it in a sort of confident tone that comedians do. And he turns his head like he's a golden retriever and the studio audience will laugh. Can't tell if they're sincere or uncomfortable. It's the it's it has the cadence of comedy without the content of comedy. And I could say that, but then all right, I'll be a little fair. I saw a joke here and there that was okay. But one of the things we talk about a lot on the show is a term we've used. I don't think we coined it. First pass comedy, and that's a problem we have with a lot of comedy these days. A lot of stuff on social media. A lot of the YouTube comedians are. Hey, that's a funny idea. Throw it out there. You don't take the time to perfect it. And I think we see some of that here. You know, oh, the Biden administration is ignoring the problem at the border. Let's go to Jen Psaki. So they have a woman dressed up as Jen. You know, she's wearing a red wig and she's being shown Rorschach blots. What's this? Oh, that is, you know, kids in cages. And then she's shown an actual picture of kids in cages. What's this? That's a butterfly. Like, here's my biggest problem with the show. These jokes aren't, most of them aren't offensive. They're just bad and lame and poorly written. <laughs> and it reminds me of the comedy I wrote when I was doing stand-up. And there's a reason I failed at stand-up. I was not a good comedy writer. You know, there's a reason this podcast is whatever. I don't hold this up as a great thing of comedy. I'm not a, I'm not professional caliber comedy writer. And the production values of the show are excellent. It's on Fox News, but it's just poorly written. It's, you know, he's... He, he adds that's a joke to his jokes. Again, it's the grievance. It's He goes through all these segments talking about why other late night hosts are terrible. It's a very Trumpian thing of like, oh, they all suck, but it's sour grapes, right? It's like stories of Trump having a fake Time Man of the Year cover on his wall. Like they want to be part of the cool kids club, but they partly do that by saying the cool kids aren't cool. I mean, that's that's literally what sour grapes means from the, from the fable. Um. Just these lame, someone's talking about they'll build the wall and the wall had slats in it. And he just goes, you ignorant slat. Like, how is that a joke? It's a reference. It's not a joke. I think you're, you're actually, you called it perfectly. It's the cadence of comedy with, without the context yeah. of content. Oh, oh, There's no understanding. Yeah, of I mean, 
I think I'm exaggerating because there are jokes. I mean, a couple, one joke that I liked, it's not a great joke, but, you know, CNN gets things wrong. The second N stands for never mind. I mean, that's not a good joke, but it's a joke. You know, if my friend said it, I'd give it a wry smile, you know. But they're, oh, Joe Biden's old and he eats tapioca, the early bird special. And they do this segment making fun of, the first episode making fun of Brian Williams, like, because he lied about being somewhere. That's like a six-year-old joke. He, oh, ho, ho, he's laughing. Just, they go on and on. I mean, this is something that is kind of offensive. You know, they're picking on Hunter Biden. And of course, this is Fox News. Why wouldn't they? But like, they show the clip of Hunter Biden talking about his drug problem and how he was smoking cheese. Because, I mean, I think that's sad. And that becomes a, oh, that's how I got fired from Pizza Hut. Uh, it's just sad. Yeah. Laughing at- And then the projection. They, it's not about, they don't hate Trump. They hate Trump. They hate you. They hate Trump voters. Yeah. And then, of course, cancel culture is pure projection because the right wing is way more into canceling things than the left wing. So it's just sad and bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, this this has done a number on me engaging with this stuff. It, it's really it's really difficult to watch this. Even I understood um, I can turn this on YouTube and watch these clips and it's not going to hurt me. And I, when I started, it's going to hurt me. It's going to hurt Noah, me talking about it. And uh, I realized it's like I was trying to talk to my wife about what I'd watched. And she instantly just started yelling and putting her hands over her ears. Just because the very mention of this and engaging with it in any shape or form is painful after the four years we just lived through. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, I, I don't I don't blame her. And, and this is what I was telling you. Like, I'm exhausted. I'm burnt out, people. And, I'm, you know, it's, and. I believe what I believe. I stand by my beliefs. But even looking at this lame stuff, I don't know how I'd argue with Greg Gutfeld in person. I know he's wrong, but I don't know how to say that in a way yeah, that... Yeah, no, I hear you. I, you know, I... I you know, I, I just... It's just exhausting. It's funny that, you know, uh, I have a friend who I worked with back in the newspaper gig. He actually interned uh, at Stuff in the early 2000s. He knew Gutfeld because Gutfeld... Really? Yeah, he worked for like... I, I freelance... You know, I freelance at Stuff for two issues. Yeah. I think... When he he was by the way, folks, he was editor in chief in the early two thousands of this magazine called Stuff, yeah. which was basically a Maxim ripoff. Although wasn't it published by the same people as Maxim? Eventually, I think so. It was just two yeah. different parts it was, of the lad it was, market. It was a lad mag, and I worked there for two issues. I think he was there, but I was just a freelancer, so I might have heard his name, but I'm sure I never. Met yeah, him. I mean, I I know when this guy started getting he, his first show was Red Eye, and he started being yeah. um, when he was dipping his toe into doing right wing media. He might have always been this sort of avowed libertarian. But I think that Gutfeld created this. Oh, Scott, they're not real libertarians. They say they're libertarians. And you know what? By the way, fuck libertarians. Okay, fuck libertarians. Yeah, libertarian is there's, talk about privilege. There's no such right? thing. Yeah, libertarian is a fucking yeah, cancer no. on society. But we'll, no, we'll, no, that's a, people. Ninety-eight percent of Americans want big government. They really do. But, if you're such a fucking libertarian, then you should be. You should defund the police, and you should defund. The if you live on planet, if you live on planet Earth, and you you play in Western civilization, you're a fucking fan of pro government. But whatever, we're not going to get to that. So the mood in this show is purely snark and smarm. Honestly, that's it. There's nothing else to add. You yeah. know, he acts that's, like he's yeah. some sort of grinning mirth maker above it all, with no skin yeah. in the game, here to take on liberal yeah. pieties and contradictions. You know, but it's but the reality so is so nasty. He'll just go fuck you, Major League Baseball. Yeah. The, like, the reality is is it's that just, it's not funny. It's nasty. His material, this is what you need to understand. His material, obviously he's creaky, like Noah said, but but for the most part, his show only exists to be in a dialogue with CNN and NBC. Uh, let's say what we, you know, we, we mentioned Bill Maher, we mentioned John Oliver, we mentioned all these people, along, even Colbert to some degree. 
I think that the reason why they got up every day and went into those right those ivory tower media offices in New York and hung out with those smarty pants from the Ivy Leagues and came up with a monologue every night is because they quite literally had this idea in their head that in addition to selling ads for Comedy Central slash Viacom, they could make the world a little better every night by cutting through the bullshit and serving people to some degree by, you know, waving away fog and the miasma of deception to tell some sort of truth along the way. This show and everything else on Fox like it has no interest whatsoever in having a conversation with people. It's not there to make your life better. It's there to push back at CNN. 100% of this material is just looking at CNN and doing Beavis and Butthead over the CNN (laughs) broadcast. They're not picking things out of a hat. They're not finding, they don't have somebody on the ground on their writing staff doing, you know, field reports somewhere like The Daily Show did when they would send Ed Helms or, or, or a Vance DeGeneres out or Stephen Colbert at the beginning. These guys are merely looking at the other network and making fun of what they talked about six to seven days ago. All right. And add to that that the panelists, the fucking panelists, I'm, this is not a surprise. They're nobody you've heard of. Okay, they're completely credibly credibility. That's not con- true. Conspiracy. Eric theorists. Trump was there. Kaylee I, McEnany was there. And then, Dana Perino, not Dana Perino, was. I, I mean, they're, they're getting these these characters. They're and whatever. All, it's Fox News. They they're they're the center of that ecosystem. It's the it's the revolving door. But they're 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 conspiracy. If this shows a hit. If this shows a hit, Donald Trump's going to be on it. You know it. Uh, it, but yeah, but he won't. He won't. He's not going to come to New York anytime soon to, to be on the show. No, but he'll be live on. He'll be he'll be live on camera, and they'll joke around with him, and he'll do his little fake mirthless smile. Yeah, and he'll talk about, and they'll they'll kiss his ass, and he'll talk about how awesome he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it, like I said, they're conspiracy theorists at best, and completely unqualified cultural lightweights at worst. Here's an example. Uh, I thought one of this thing that. Every time they would announce, I'd see it would, the camera would switch to a different commentator. And I was like, who are these people? I mean, and it's like Google them for six seconds. And you'll see this. This is like a fucking circus, man, filled with these people that they pulled out. <laughs> one of them one of them was John. You know who John Milius is, Noah? John Milius, the, the uh, guy who yeah, he, co- he co-wrote Apocalypse Now. He was one of yeah, those California yeah, he, I, I was going to say a director, but you're right. He, he was a screenwriter. Yeah, California yeah, filmmaker from way back. Uh, he he's the guy that uh, um, John Goodman's character in The Big Lebowski is based on. Um, he's a lunatic, and, and really, he, yeah. I didn't know that. Okay, oh, he's, cool. he's a lunatic. Is he, is he Jewish? Does he keep Shomer Shabbos? He is Jewish. He is Jewish, and he's a right wing. Really? I didn't he, know that. He believes in all the right wing pieties. Anyway, yeah, his nice. daughter Amanda was a panelist on this show, and I was trying to figure out where did they find her? Why is she here? What is her specialty? So. Her thing was that she went to NYU for film. She looks like she's 28 or 29 or something like that. She went to NYU for film, somehow got a job in the White House with an unspecified duty on the staff. But really what she did is she adapted some cheap screed that was written in 2019 called The Plot Against the President and adapted it into a quickie documentary, a self-serving right-wing yeah. screed. And that's what... Get- I, I did hear about that. That sounds familiar. That's what gets her to be on this show. Uh, you know, a, a, a yeah. documentary made strictly for the ears of the people who were already inside the Q bubble. Um, it's it, it, And yes, like Noah says, it it's not actual comedy. It looks like it's supposed to be comedy. It's like if an alien or a child tells a joke and they don't get what the content of the joke is, but they're <laughs> imitating the person yeah. who said it. And the, the compensatory laughter on set from, I don't even know if it was an audience, to be honest, or if it was from the crew. It's really hard to tell. They're not doing audiences yeah, and shows it, for the most it part. Is, it is hard to tell. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it, it, it's compensatory. It's the idea that everybody knows that we have to laugh to punch up Gutfeld's punchlines, which aren't funny. It, it's it's like, the, 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 oh, look, there's at least 10 people, the guy holding the cue cards, the guy swinging the boom, the guys, you know, who are running the light. They're, the timing is killer because they're all laughing at the same time, too. Um, and, uh, I'm, you know, I want to kick to our next segment, but I, all right, so our 20th century conception of, of topical American comedy um, I'm, I'm boiling it down to something very simple here, but I think it's true. It's it, this based on a very simple concept. You punch up at powerful entities. Yeah. It's not. It's 20th century that went before that. Well, for the most part, I, I mean, I'm, that, I'm that, thinking that it, was what uh, fucking, you know, uh, Moliere and uh, and uh, Jonathan Swift. Did, I'm thinking you know? I'm thinking of the, the sort of Jewish inflected 20th century post S.J. Perlman type. You know, there's a very different school for all the Eastern European immigrants who came in and helped to hone the American comedic spirit that we forget has so much Judaism and Judaic uh, culture in it. Yep. Like, That's you, right. so why, one of the things I'm most proud about being Jewish is, is our greatest contribution to American culture is comedy. Yeah. So you punch up at powerful entities. It is not humor if you punch down. It's cruelty. It's cruelty. Okay, no. What were you going to say? But, 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 but. They are creating a world, a scenario, a framework in which they're claiming that they're punching up, that they are the victim, that that Democrats, Democratic politicians, the mainstream media, they are oppressing us. We are the victims. They don't hate Donald Trump. They hate you. They don't hate guns. They hate gun owners. The thing I was going to bring up, and maybe we should punt this to later, is... There was an article in Vulture about this. They're like, look, we're going to be charitable here. Here are suggestions for how the show can actually be good. And they bring up a good point. They're like, you know, there's a long debate. Why can't conservatives do comedy? And they're like, look, there's got to be a way to do this. Like they spent a moment making fun of Andrew Cuomo. I, I think most of us agree. Andrew Cuomo deserves some, you know, uh, you know, some criticism. So how can you affect it? Let's make fun of the targets on the left that deserve it. Let's make fun of Andrew Cuomo. Let's, you know, they tried making fun of Amazon, but the whole thing was about drivers peeing in bottles. Let's talk about the real issues here, right? Let, let, here are suggestions for how you can actually make a right-wing comedy that works. I don't think they're going to do that because this isn't so much about entertaining as making themselves feel good. All in all, it's just another gap in the wall. Yes, Mr. President, it's a lot to tackle when you're out of spackle. Bill, so, I mean, I guess we could posit that the show is a hit. We'll see where it is in a few weeks. You know, I mean, every article references Fox's attempts in the past to do a comedy show. They did a real blatant Daily Show ripoff, I believe, in like 06 or 07 called the Half Hour Comedy Hour. And it's worth watching clips of online. It's just it's bad for so many reasons, partly just because even the theme song sounded like the Daily Show theme song. Um, So positing for argument's sake that this is a hit. Why is it a hit? And why do people like it? And why does Fox News even feel the need to attempt this? Well, that's those are two good questions. And I think the first question is, again, that's, it doesn't matter. People just have Fox turned on all day. It honestly doesn't matter whether you're going to watch <laughs> Maria Bartiromo fume. And Maria Bartiromo at one point was a credible person who worked on the market. Yeah. She was on the floor. And now she's a lunatic. Joey Ramone wrote a great song about her. He had a crush on her in his dying days. Yeah. But- 
So it doesn't matter what you put on after Tucker Carlson. You go through the the you know whatever the ride, the the roller coaster of Tucker Carlson is going to be all the grievance politics, the identity politics, the white white replacement theory that he's been you know oh, all this horseshit. That is scary. So uh, if if you can stay up late enough, then you're just gonna you know whatever comes next is going to be great. It could be fucking slap chop ads or pillow ads or whatever. It's like that, and this happens to this looks like entertainment. It looks like something. Granted, the people who watch Fox have not watched Noah, uh, uh, Trevor Noah's The Daily Show. They have not watched the other forms of comedy. So they don't actually know the shape of that comedy. They have not seen comedy in a long time because they're inside of a bubble where it doesn't exist. If yeah. your idea of comedy... Well, Fox executives have watched it. Fox executives have Yes, they have. But at the same time, the audience yeah. has no... They, there's no vocabulary for comedy. They go see the movies or they don't go to see the movies. Who the hell knows what they see? But their, media, their diet is one form of pablum spoon-fed to them. So I think that, again, there's this idea that no matter what you put there, it's got the shape of what it's supposed to look like. People are going to confuse it with comedy because it looks, you know, if you squint and, and you light it with studio lights, whatever, it looks like comedy. But here's the idea. Why did they put it here? Why is this Why is this on TV in the first place? Well, that's because Fox News, from the days of Roger Ailes, and again, Roger Ailes was not some, you know, Dixie-raised, Bayou, overall, shotgun-toting, you know, gator wrestler. Roger Ailes was a fucking <laughs> inside baseball yeah. player. Yeah. And all these guys were. Anyone who's running Fox are the it's, slickest it's, of the... It's, sl- it's what Donald Trump always wanted. Donald Trump's entire career through the 80s was, how do I get into the New York how do, Cool Kids? How do I get inside? How do I get inside? You know, Roger yeah. Ailes worked for the Nixon yeah. White House. Roger Ailes has been inside, inside, inside. And, and you know, the thing is, Rupert Murdoch is that guy who thinks he's not inside. He's got more money than anybody else. He could live on the fucking moon if he wanted to. And he just feels like, oh, I'm a perpetual outsider. You know, I've been blowing up heterodoxies for the last 50 years. I can do whatever I want. So the thing is that Fox News still has this idea that they are imitating their, all of the, the jealousness and the rivalrousness they've had with West Coast, East Coast intelligentsia along the way. They keep mimicking it and miming it, you know? They despise Jon Stewart because of the way he smacked everyone and took their pants off every night, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, they are so jealous they've wanted their own Jon Stewart. Oh my God. But it's like, you, you oh will never God. get a Jon Stewart. You will never get that guy who worked on as many levels, who has a writing staff, and who has, you know, who, who has this acuity where Jon Stewart was writing the ship. And, you know, I've got friends who have worked on The Daily Show. And, you know, he really did point that in the direction it was supposed to go. And he got the right people. And don't get me wrong, The Daily Show had a lot of weak spots in terms of the writer's room. It was overwhelmingly white, Jewish, Ivy League guys. There were very few women or even women of color for that matter, but they, I think they've corrected that at the very end. Um, but, but it's this jealousy, a network-wide jealousy. And again, everyone working on Fox, Fox does not, it's not in Indianapolis. Fox is not in Bozeman, Montana. Fox is on 52nd Street. Fox is part of the New York meat. These people eat at the same steakhouses that fucking Rune Arledge ate at. They're eating at the same fucking steakhouse that that Cronkite ate at. They're part of the same media. uh, It's cynical. I mean, so much of what I'm saying is is obviously it's a cynical bid at trying to cannibalize a little bit of that flesh, thinking that if you you drink your enemy's blood, it will make you strong. You'll you'll add their strength to to yours. And it's like it it is a complete failure. But again, it is up to us to notice that it's a failure because I don't think the audience can detect that, Noah. Yeah, good point. Um, I mean, we've been saying it since the beginning. uh, The Republican Party now is all grievance politics. You know, it's really – I don't think how – 
ultimately appropriate it's become that Donald Trump has become the avatar of, of the right wing because they're not based on issues anymore. They're based on grievance. They're based on jealousy. They're based on coveting. They're based on projection. Wealth. It's based on wealth, yeah. craven wealth. Well, wealth is a different side of it. Wealth is the one... The There are very few actual issues Republicans still stand for and would fight for. One of them is lowering taxes on the wealthy. Uh, but what mainly animates them, and I would say what overwhelmingly animates Fox News, is this grievance politics. And Trump is is an id of grievance, pure grievance made flesh, if that counts as flesh. Um I saw something really interesting a few years ago. It was a rally, a right-winger rally. It was it was before Trump. And I don't know what they were rallying. I should look this up. And they got a chant going. And the chant was, we are winning. We are winning. And again, it was so sad. It was just like they needed to keep insisting that they're not going the way of the dodo. I mean, I think this is a massive, massive backlash. And, you know, comedy has always been this aspirational thing. Like, the common, the funny guy is the cool guy, Right. And I think there's there's probably been in the halls of Fox News for years. Why don't we have the comedians? Why don't we have why don't we have the the cool rock stars? Right? They've tried to ape that. It's why when they get one cool rock star, they glom onto him. It's why anyone still gives a shit about Ted Nugent. The guy hasn't had a hit since the early seventies, you know. Um, so they keep having this. Don't worry, you're not a loser. You're cool. You're smart. You're clever. You're magnetic. Um, so that's. The thing this fits. I mean, yeah, maybe the viewers don't care, but the viewers want to feel like they're in the cool kids club. They want to feel like they're the smart, clever guy. Um, and Fox News people certainly want to feel like they're at the forefront. They're the hipster thing. Also, you know, comedy and appeals to young people, and, and they know deep down that their demographic is dying. I mean, they would like nothing more to know that like kids are becoming conservatives. All the cool kids now are conservatives. They know that's not true. They were in college. They were in the in the college conservative group. They knew they were losers then. They're dreaming that the next generation of, of their people is cooler. Um, so that's why this show is on. Why this show is popular, if it's popular, is Fox News is an addiction. They'll watch it no matter what. You know, it, it's there's an oft saying thing that's true. Fox News has done to our parents what they said video games would do to us. <laughs> I mean, it's... It's pretty insidious. To quote uh, Stringer um, Bell on The Wire, we, he said of the selling uh, heroin, we have an inelastic product. It does not, yeah. it doesn't change. Uh, no matter what the market is, we always sell. I, I, is that true? Yeah. I mean, doesn't, don't drugs do more when stuff is bad? No, no, it's inelastic. He's absolutely I, I don't know. I don't know. The, I, I'm, the only time I'm considering heroin is when my life completely falls apart. But whatever, I'm not, let's not argue The Wire. So, yeah, why? Because Fox is an addiction, and, and this is, they want to believe that they, they see that they're smart. Because deep down, they know they aren't. Or they're, they're terrified they aren't. And they want to be in the cool kids club, and, and pretending that they're comedy rebels is one way. I mean, Gutfeld said something amazing in one of those first episodes of, um, uh, when, he's, when he's making fun of, literally calling out the other late night host by name. Like, he doth protest too much. He's like, they don't ruffle any feathers. They don't... Uh, well, he said one thing I agree with. Jimmy Fallon is more fawning than uh, a flock of deer. It's a bad joke, but I agree. Jen, I'm going to show you some images and just tell me what comes to mind. Okay, um, I would say that is um, definitely not a uh, photo of kids in uh, cages. Uh... And this, wow, a butterfly. 
Noah, tell me, would you have liked this as a kid? Well, of course, no. But let me add, you know, who are the people who become, and especially look at Gutfeld, a guy who, I don't know what his parents were like, but he made it sound like he at least was more liberal until he got to college. So, you know, it just shows who becomes this kind of person. It's, if my parents had been conservative, I'd probably be conservative, and I'd probably like this, because I've always wanted to feel like I'm in the cool kids club. So if I were conservative, I would definitely glom onto this stuff and say, oh my God, it's really funny. I would convince myself, it's really funny. There's also the world is different now than when we were kids, and who knows, in my loneliness, I might have sought out different communities online, and I might have been sucked into that world. It does happen. You know, um, do you know who Mike Cernovich is? Yeah, of course I do. God, that guy's a fucking monster. So Mike Cernovich is from the town I lived until I was 15 in New Jersey. In fact, his older sister was a classmate of mine in uh, elementary school. And we were Facebook friends. And when I read the New Yorker story about Mike Cernovich, I actually reached out to her. And I just said, look, this, this story kind of broke my heart. And I'm sorry you have to deal with this. And we had a nice little discussion. She's like, yeah, it's horrible. She's like, my parents and I cry over it, that we've had to cut him off. Uh, so, you know, there, but for the grace of God, like I'm not, I'm not particularly strong-willed. I could have, if Mike Cernovich could have been sucked in, who knows? Maybe I could have been sucked in if the internet existed when I was young. So would I have been into this? Probably not, but you never know. You know, I think back to 1990, I saw one kid in my, um, uh, I guess at that point it was honors English class and he had, he was toting around a copy of Art of the Deal. And he was just, oh, great. he was from the suburbs of Long Island. And I, I won't name him. He doesn't listen to the show, but I have no point even naming the guy. And I'm like, I already thought you're full of shit. Like you're full of shit. If this is the kind, like th- at that point, Trump was just a, you know, eccentric idiot who was in page six. He wasn't serious. He was just this sort of fucking clown, you know, like anything else. But it's like you at that age were already sort of cultivating this, this contrarian viewpoint that somehow... Anything about this is good. I mean, and I'm at that point, what am I, 15 years old? And I'm like, this this is terrible. And this is not going to get any better than this is right now. And again, I don't, I don't know what this guy is up to right now. But I just remember that being from as early, as young as I can remember when I was individuating as a, as a teenager and beginning to write and develop a voice and make decisions for myself. The one thing I always noticed uh, is that, well, politically, I'd never had any kind of uh, deceptions or illusions about where I stood. And I could not imagine a world that would have changed not just for the you know the sake of staying the same person to you know, as a concrete worldview which a lot of people do they double down on being wrong because that, that's their identity you, you yeah. can't you can't slough away something that is essentially holding you up because you'd be left with no skeleton at all that's not it at all i had these de- a, a, a lot of reason people don't leave conspiracy theories is they're like Eve, i would have no friends left i would have no community. you'd lose face and you'd lose face too yeah. it'd be just a and that's how cults keep people yeah you will be shut off from your entire community. Yeah, exactly. So, no, the short answer is no, 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 absolutely not. Everybody keeps saying this This problem keeps happening every year, blah, blah, blah. Why does this story keep existing? Why does this keep happening? Why do you think, do you think it's secretly there is a large group of people who don't want this conflict to go away? Bill, is the existence of the show and the possible success of the show a sign of the apocalypse? No, it, I, no. It's, let's put it, it's certainly not that. If anything, it is in some ways reassuring um, that the old saw that we love, the fact that there is a humor gulf in the right, that there's an inability to create humor and or access the modern voice of our time, the lingua franca of tonal entertainment, um, in some ways it's reassuring that they don't have access. If, if I would feel maybe a little more threatened and or cheesed 
if they were somehow somehow successful. That if this was um, something that it looked like they were like you know again it's like when when the Caesar the ape you know says to the guy <laughs> no or the apes start to use tools and it's like okay maybe you're in for a real fight here but it's like for right now the right wing can't they can't hang with us on comedy we can use comedy to destroy them take their pants off and spank them on their bare hineys you know um, and again going back to the talent part that we talked about in terms of like the feeder systems of these things you know there are no writers of talent who share this exaltation of cruelty as a worldview, you know? If 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 they do uh, harbor, Noah, that resentment against decency and humanity, they then most, I'm going to say they are not talented. And this is the reason why Seth Meyers in particular finds Amber Ruff. And I just, you know, I started seeing her videos over the last six months and she's incredible. She's an incredible find. And it's like, she says, that's the only place you'll find a person like that. That's, that's tomorrow's, humorist today i mean amber ruffin's 41 by this point she's not even that young a performer but she sells every joke she gets her hands on she went through all the training she did come up through boom in in, in uh, boom chicago and amsterdam um i mean you said as close to a classical education in, tra- in comedy as you can imagine and on the other hand noah do you remember this guy blake neff does that name mean anything to you uh, it sounds familiar. Bl- Tell me Blake Neff was this guy. I think it was a year and a half, two years ago. He was um, the head writer for Carlson. And um, he was boasting to everybody along the way that every single word Tucker Carlson reads off the teleprompter, he writes as the head writer. It turns out this, this guy was a scumbag Dartmouth asshole. He was about 28 or 29 years old. That's redundant. Okay. <laughs> but, sorry i my sister went to dartmouth and i have a bias against it because every time i visited i'm like i hate this place right. and she didn't like but it this, much this guy was sorry dartmouth plenty of good dartmouth people I this know. guy was online blake neff was online cultivating a number of persona where he was spewing the worst racist bile he was stephen miller uh, he was on every right-wing fora talking about every you know kicking into trans kicking into race kicking into into sex issues all those things and he was the guy, that's the kind of guy that you could, if you're going to get, oh, I want to go to the Ivies. We want Ivy people here. It's like, well, that's who you're going to get. The worst human being in the world, Blake Neff, who they could not fire him fast enough as soon as he got busted. But he was on right wing fora for years until they did detective work and outed him. And it's like, well, my guess is that all Fox has working for them. If they're, first of all, they're working cheap. They're young people in a lot of cases, and they are the bottom of the barrel. And it's like, who are you going to get from Dartmouth? Who are you going to get from Yale? Who are you going to get from Harvard? The fucking, like Ted Cruz went to Harvard. Congratulations. Is that a really good recommendation for Harvard? That's what a right winger. I thought he, I thought he went to Princeton. No, I think he was a Harvard guy. I think. All right. It it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The point is, that's that's as good as you're going to get out of the Ivies, and that's what they that's what the product looked like. Best and the brightest? I don't think so. So no, not a sign of the apocalypse. He got he went to Harvard Law School. He went to Princeton undergrad. Um, okay, no, this is not a sign of the apocalypse. This is Fox News doing doing Fox News. I mean, maybe it is a sign of the apocalypse. It's it's one of many signs over the past twenty five years. Uh, you know. One of the scenarios you see a lot in modern dystopian stories, uh, or really not modern dystopian stories, is, is technology being turned towards, you know, dom- so that's not modern, it goes back to 1984, being turned against people to, to control them. And um, I read a, a dystopian story from years ago in which the, the, the fascist government hired all computer nerds to basically figure out how to spy on people 24 hours a day. 
And I don't want to say it was implausible. I'm like, oh, good thing computer nerds mostly wouldn't be interested in that. But I changed my mind about that. I mean, you could see Facebook as something like that. I mean, Zuckerberg, Jewish, you know, quote unquote liberal, but he might be the, the death of us all. So that's pretty scary, the idea that the, the, the sci-fi computer nerd, when he's turned to fascist, he, often he, but there's she, or they, turned to fascist ends, we'll be fucked. And I feel like an even worse state would be when comedians become fascists. You know, we, that, that bridge has not been crossed. Do you know why? They were embarrassed about calling them suspected terrorists when, in fact, the administration wanted them to be called undocumented vacationers. Bringing it on home, Noah. Uh, tell me about jealousy. Uh, does anything about Gutfeld, banger, fill you with jealousy? No, and even though he's a terrible person, I pity him. I pity this constant desire for approval. I mean, I have a little of that, but to the point where you will, like, host a TV show and... Look up to Donald Trump and and create this alternate reality in which, you know, you're the truth teller and you're the rebel. Um, you know, I feel sorry. Like he's got to be, he's got to be dead inside. I mean, my pity goes only so far. I still want him to fucking, you know, eat shit and die. But I mean, it's. I mean, I got. I, I, I like. I hate to say it. There's still an extent I pity Donald Trump. Like he's just got to be dead inside. And it's just got to be constantly clawing him. Cancel culture is canceled, the, the billboard for Gutfeld says. I mean, this need to, to the sour grapes just dominating your life. It's better than me. It's cooler than me. It sucks. That You just, you, you got to ape the thing you're making fun of because you desperately want to be it. It's really sad. It's really sad. Uh, I'm also, I guess, a little jealous discovering that he did run stuff magazine when i briefly briefly work there and you know he springboarded that into being famous and i'm not so mm. whatever yeah I, I don't think there's any here to emulate um not from his time slot to the location to you know frankly his tortured journey getting him to a place where we're the ones talking about him on this podcast um you know i ultimately comes down to um gutfeld i think that i'm saying the man he he looks he looks to us as he looks, you know, I mean, we, we've been talking about him for the last hour. I think it's pretty much, this is probably who he is. He gets in the air. He's probably some version of himself. Um, he will never have to withstand probably true criticism, Noah, and, and, and reckon with the words and, and whatever the, the fallout of the things he said, because unlike 15 to 20 years ago, he, he lives in a bubble and we live in a bubble and he lives in a silo and we live in a silo. Um, and so the thing is, he's re he will now, presumably until he dies, and he's I think he's 56 years old now, um, he will probably comfortably never have to eat any words, admit he was wrong, even d grapple with the concept of, of qualifying oneself or being in any way humble. Um, and we, you know, we're all looking at him and the rest of the people who are in his ecosystem and saying, how do you live with yourself? How do you say these things? How do you perpetuate these lies? How do you promulgate conspiracy theories? And it's like, well, he's just going to wake up tomorrow and do it again because there's no, there's no fallout yeah. from it. So, I yeah. mean, there's nothing to be jealous of here. I mean, there's nothing to emulate it, it, it quite literally. He sold his soul to the devil and he still calls himself a fucking libertarian. And you know, yeah. they should all, there's no consequences. There's no consequences for these people. No. There's consequences for the, the poor people that Fox hoodwinks. I mean, look at this example from this week. Trump called on a boycott of Coke because Coke, you know, was upset about the, the Georgia voting law. And then, of course, they see that photo of Trump still drinking Coke. There's no consequences for people. They can scream and yell about a boycott, but it's not going to change their behavior. They're still going to do it. 
you know, because why? Because I want to do it, and I'm, I get what I want. I'm capricious. You know, I do what I want. I'm rapacious and capricious. Right. I mean, we saw that with coronavirus. Whatever I want, and however much I, however much I of it, it I want, I, I get, get it, it at any point. It doesn't yep. matter. Yeah. And Fox News has encouraged this thing that a freedom means you get to do whatever you want. How dare you tell me to wear a mask? Well, how dare I tell you to wear pants, like, in public? Like, what's the difference? Someone said the other day, oh, my God, the, the state is limiting the number of people in my home. Like, when you pay my mortgage, state, you can limit the number of people in my home. Well, how about when you pay my car insurance, you could tell me what speed to drive. I mean, you live in a society. Rules have to exist. They fucking have to. And don't tell me you don't want rules. You want plenty of rules, just not the ones that inconvenience you. Yeah. You want, you want ones that inconvenience everybody else. All right. Finally, let's yep. do the fallopian scale, Noah. Um, where does this yes. fall on our XYZ axis of all of our topics? Well, I mean, we, we, we directly compared Greg Gutfeld to, to Jimmy Fallon earlier. And, and I mean, Fallon's lame, but I don't want to say he's harmless, but... It, I'd much rather hang out with Jimmy Fallon than Greg Gutfeld, that's for sure. But let's let's talk about other things. This is, and I wish I could remember the referent because I said this exact thing about another topic not long ago. I can't remember what it was. This is the bottom of things that are still not low enough to be an existential crisis. Yes, yeah. yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. Right. I mean, unless, like I say, unless this becomes actually a comedy touchstone, then we got real problems. Uh, so I think, I think, I think the recent topic that I said that about was Ilaria Baldwin mm -hmm. and her, you know, the horse shit that she shoveled at us, especially since it got <laughs> deflated pretty quick, right? Yeah. She and Al don't blame her. Alec is, Alec is just as, uh, culpable here. Uh, so yeah, this is, you know, whatever that sector is like four fifths of the way to the bottom, right above the stuff that's going to kill us all, probably. like reface and, you know. Facebook. Uh, we didn't actually talk about Facebook, but it's going to kill us, Facebook. like you said. So, if we had been doing the show 15 years ago, we would have talked about Facebook. Yeah, on account of this being a short, but what is most likely going to be a short-lived phenomenon, I don't think this will, you know, again, they're treating this like it's going to be studio space, giving us some other um, show in a couple of weeks, most likely. Uh, I don't think it's going to persist. But as a short-lived phenomenon that's really scabrous, it's difficult to listen to, dumb on its face. I hate to look at it. I want to punch it. And it's going to run out of steam soon. I have to rank this. Yes, I would say in the same pentile, quarto, whatever it is. But I would, I would, I maybe think of 100 Gex, which just really annoyed the shit oh, out of me. No, they were way nope, better. Nope. It was that, that stupid form of, of atonal, arrhythmic, self, self absorbed, tuned out, jerk off hipster music. You, so, first of all, way more. You could say, you could think 100 Gex is annoying and stupid. But talk about original. Talk about not doing what everyone else is doing. Okay. No way. Okay. Come on. Fine. Have it your way. <laughs> You're wrong about that, man. I mean, nah. 100 gets. Get, get over yourself. Bro. So everybody, if you'd like to find past episodes of our show, look on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet to us at Show. Write to us, noandbilldontgetit at gmail.com. Go on Apple Podcasts and give us a review. That's how people find shows. I'm on Twitter, at William Scurry, and my video stuff that I've made with my hands and my eyes is on YouTube at youtube.com slash and I'm all about the Big Quiz Thing, bigquizthing.com, America's premier provider of corporate and private trivia events. We have a big public event coming up uh, when you hear this this coming weekend, Saturday the 17th, uh, in association with New York Historical Society, uh, a, uh, a virtual movie quiz um, focusing on the 90s to today, hosted by me. So nyhistory.org, New York Historical Society, 
to get tickets and uh, learn about hiring us for your own corporate and private trivia spectacular. Hopefully, in we are putting together, Bill, our action plan for returning to in-person events. We are writing up a document. We're official about this. Wow, you're writing up a document. So, um, I, you know, I haven't done that in a long writing time. Writing up a document. Yeah, I know. In a long time. Sometimes you got to do it. I've written up a document. Yeah. Well, until our next well-planned and well-thought-out fiasco, we, we don't, don't get, get it. it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2021.